Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We actually, it was called a bootleg run. I think that he probably, I haven't even talked to him about it yet. I know, I know Danny has it. Uh, I think with the pressure, it, it was kind of a botched formation. We didn't get the motion over there to help him. That it was a, the whole, whole intention of it was a quarterback run. The play is originally a pass, but it was tagged a run for me. But my whole mindset was he was probably two yards in front of me when I turned around. Didn't want to lose any yards. Saw the vine open. Tried to get him the ball. If it was a catch, nobody, no one would talk about it today. He dropped it. It's on me. I was supposed to run the ball. I didn't run the ball. You know, I tried to at least give him, the, give him a chance to get the first down. Well, I can understand them being nervous. And, and uh, you know, we have the people that care the most and the greatest fans in the world. So, obviously, they're going to have feelings uh, about this and and certainly where we are I understand that totally I get it and what we have to do is uh, just play better win some games and then go from there and welcome to another edition of the Husker online show Sean Callahan Dan Hoppen and Robin Washett and uh, we are trying to just figure out what happened still after this past weekend at Illinois Nebraska uh, getting ready to ice that game a seemingly just needed to fall down in bounce and worst case scenario was Sam Fultz would have punted the ball a mile in the air. Illinois would have had the ball with about maybe seven or eight seconds at the most game over. Uh, as you heard, uh, Mike Riley and Tommy Armstrong there discussing. Tommy decided to throw the ball incomplete pass, and we know the rest. Illinois comes back, wins the game. Well, here we are, guys. Nebraska, two and three. They've lost all three games on the final play of an opponent's offensive possession. Um, easily could be a four and one, maybe even a five and zero team right now. But I think four and one is where I think they should be about right now, and and they're not. And and there's Robin a, a panic that's kind of hit everywhere. That is this thing working right now? Yeah, and I think a lot of people tried to come into this season with the approach that you know this is going to take time. It's a rebuilding year, new staff, new offensive philosophy, and a complete culture shift. But uh, the reality is, when you have this type of start, which Nebraska hasn't seen in what 50 years i don't even i mean i think I, 1959 was the last time they they've were been two and three two and three so i mean this is this is uncharted waters for nebraska football and so as patient as people you know want to try to be uh the reality is that when, when you have this type of uh early failure i mean that really just throws everything off course and uh you know the issue with nebraska fans is you know basically since 2004 they've been told to be patient that this is a process that you know you got to give this thing time and there's been zero results and so uh you know mike riley unfortunately does not have the luxury of uh you know that that you know the time to, to do what he needs to do before the pressure really starts to heat up and the start certainly hasn't helped i think kind of the scary thing and i'm usually a guy who says back away from the ledge you know it's early and everything but you know <sighs> This is not good. The scary thing is the way they've lost these games is really bad. I mean, losing on a Hail Mary, it's kind of fluky, but that was also really poor execution mm-hmm. by Nebraska. They were also outscored 9 nothing in that final quarter, so it's not like they did anything on offense. 
other than that late comeback, they really got their teeth kicked in by a decent but not great Miami team. Now this Illinois game, they never should have lost that. I mean, when you have the ball with 50 seconds left and all you have to do is – I mean, they would have been better off kneeling. They've run it. They ran eight straight running plays yeah. until Tommy decided to make that pass. And it's just, it's just so hard to grasp yeah, still. Yeah, it's, it's just an incredible head scratcher. But even after that, I mean, Illinois had to drive the ball 78 yards in 50 seconds with no timeouts. It's Illinois. And they did it. In a, win, the, in a strong win yes. to boot. And I, I think that's the scariest thing is the manner in which Nebraska has lost these games. They just continue to make these boneheaded, monumental mistakes. It, I and don't this know. is what's tough about it. I, you know, Bo Pelini had his flaws, but he still delivered the nine or ten wins every year. So that's what people are going to look at. They look at wins, not necessarily how the losses are happening, but the total wins. And right now this Nebraska team – is at two wins, and I think no one had thought they'd be at this point. And what's scary is the schedule does not look easy at all. Even the Purdue game right now on the road looks difficult. Going into the year, that looked a lot easier. I mean, the one favorable one still is Rutgers because Rutgers is kind of a mess at this point, but still, it's on the road. Yeah, they just got their star wide receiver back too, the Leonte Carew, who was suspended and I was not. So, And to make a bowl game at this point, Nebraska has to go – four and three down the stretch in these final seven games. And and that that's not that's a not a guarantee. That's not a slam dunk at this point. And to get there, guys, it starts this weekend. Wisconsin comes to Lincoln. They lost last weekend ten to six to Iowa in Madison. It's one of the first times in a long time Wisconsin hasn't scored a touchdown at home. And that's kind of where this Wisconsin team is at right now. I think it's a good matchup for Nebraska. It's strength on strength. Wisconsin's offense is a weakness. Nebraska's defense is a weakness. Uh, but on the flip side, Wisconsin has maybe the best defense right now in the Big Ten, if not right up there. And uh, Nebraska's offense, when they're playing, we know they can play with anybody. They have the top passing offense in the league right now. And so, I mean, that, that's right. It's going to be strength on strength, weakness on weakness. But uh, And on top of that, you know, Nebraska obviously has its injuries that they're dealing with on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, Wisconsin's pretty banged up on the offensive side. I mean, Corey Clement is going to miss his fifth consecutive game. Uh, their number one wide receiver, Alex Erickson, got banged up uh, last Potent- week against Iowa, and he's questionable. So Their tight end's out. Yeah, he might an Austin Trailer. Yeah, they're starting tight end, and so all of a sudden, Wisconsin's top three weapons are not going to be at Joel Stave's disposal, and we've seen Joel Stave isn't exactly a guy that can just put the game on his shoulders. So uh, this is about as close to a must-win situation in Week 6 as we've seen Nebraska have in a long time. I mean, you win this game, all of a sudden you're deadlocked with Wisconsin in the standings uh, at 3-3 three and three and 1-1 one and one in the conference and uh, have a chance to really build on something. And so this, this uh, you know, you, you, you hate to put that type of pressure this early on, but that's the reality that Nebraska's put itself Yeah, in. you win in that game at Minnesota. Minnesota has a lot more meaning yes, going forward. And then a ton of meaning if you win at Minnesota with Northwestern coming in. And we're going to learn all about Northwestern this weekend. They go to Michigan. Uh, that will be a huge game. What's crazy is that game is on Big Ten Network. Nebraska-Wisconsin is on yeah. ABC. I'm, I'm that feels a little backwards. The uh, network executives got that one a little messed up. It seemed up like a good idea at the beginning of the season, I'm sure. You could argue college game day almost could have been in Ann Arbor for that game, but the oh, fact absolutely. that it's a BTN game probably was why they chose Utah-California this week because arguably Northwestern Michigan's as good of a game right now. Yeah, I'm, and obviously, you know, there's always the – fun Jim Harbaugh storyline as long as he's in Michigan that's going to draw more attention to it but 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people looking at Northwestern at the beginning of the year, that's a home game for Nebraska in a couple weeks. I think a lot of people just penciled that in as a W. Northwestern looks pretty darn good They're right now. They're playing great defense. They beat Stanford, they beat Duke, and they just kicked Kill. the crap out of Minnesota last weekend. I mean, they've been really impressive. And when has that happened to a Jerry Kill team the last three seasons? I mean, Not they, often. They've yeah. lost games, but no one's blowing them out since mm-hmm. his, that first year in the Big Ten. They were terrible when Nebraska went out there and he coached. After that, they've, they've been much improved. So, yeah, Northwestern, Nebraska, that will be big, but – uh, yeah, it's going to be just interesting to see how this team comes out, how they respond, how the crowd responds. Because yeah. uh, people are on edge this week. Uh, I, you know, I'm expecting a very supportive crowd. But if they get off to a real bad start, and let's say they're down like 14 nothing at home, mm-hmm. we've seen it before. I the, mean, it gets toxic in there at times. The boo birds come out exactly, and so uh, you know, you add on top of all the off the field junk that's been going on with uh, certain players and uh, you know the the lack of uh, being able to finish games i mean there's a lot of tension around this program right now both inside and out and another storyline this week two guys they uh, sounds like they will burn the red shirt of freshman running back jordan stevenson mm. um, and put him on special teams as a kick returner and who knows what kind of role in the offense but uh, they're just looking for answers right now, and, and and burning a red shirt potentially here in Game Six is is the perfect example of that right now. Yeah, anytime you burn a red shirt this late in the season, it it reeks of desperation a little point. But I think we've kind of reached that point in the season where you know desperate times call for desperate measures. Nebraska's got to start winning games here, and if Jordan Stevenson is a guy who, like you mentioned, Sean, he could be a special teams guy right away, but that running back position is far from settled if he's a guy who can step in and help your offense out you don't have a choice at this point you got to put everything you have on the field well we'll shift over and we'll talk specific offensive storylines on where this team is at as they head into this wisconsin game on saturday you're listening to huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics Tommy's take a pretty big leadership role. He obviously knows that he leads the offense and we didn't perform as well as we should have on Saturday, so we look forward to another challenge this Saturday against Wisconsin. Just move forward. You know, don't think about it. You know, we got a bigger task ahead, you know, a bigger game. Just got to make sure we stick together as a team. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as we continue talking uh, Nebraska-Wisconsin. And, you know, one of the things we talked about a lot, a lot of people ask me this in the preseason, how has the leadership been? And I always tell people, you don't know until this team hits adversity. And here we are, uh, Nebraska's 2-3. and three. Uh, They suffered uh, arguably as disappointing of a loss as you're ever going to see last week at Illinois, and you just heard from wide receiver Brandon Riley and quarterback Tommy Armstrong just how this team is handling this adversity. And Riley said that uh, Armstrong has taken on more of a leadership role this week, uh, Robin, but this is a, a big week, a big moment in the career of quarterback Tommy Armstrong. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, the, the fact that he's not only – uh, been the catalyst of this offense, you know, just from a on the field standpoint. But I mean, he's he's a captain, a, the quarterback captain of this team, and uh, this is where you rely on a guy like that. And uh, to his credit, you know, he uh, to, uh, at the Monday press conference came up to the podium and basically shouldered all the blame for for that Illinois loss. And um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of reason for that with that decision to throw the ball on third and seven late in the game. But uh, to again, to his credit, I mean, he he 
he admitted to it and kind of put that on his shoulders. And uh, that's what you got to get out of, out of a quarterback that's, you know, has the respect that Tommy Armstrong does in that locker room because he sets the tone for everybody. If he gets discouraged, it has a ripple effect across the entire team. When I watched that game, Dan, on Saturday, it reminded me a lot of the way Tommy played at Michigan State a year ago and at Wisconsin. And, you know, when things go downhill, it all goes downhill for Tommy. And, uh, not only was he not connecting on the deep balls, he had the one throw to Seaton Carter and kind of a broken play, but a lot of his shorter underneath stuff was just ineffective or he just wasn't making the right throws or um, just was way off the mark. And I know you keep those numbers, and I'd be curious to kind of hear your thoughts on those things. Yeah, Tommy was just 8 for 15 on passes that traveled uh, 10 yards or less downfield, which is way down for him this year. He's been very accurate on those throws. I've really liked the way that Danny Langsdorf and this offensive kind of crafted that short passing game for him. But that was maybe one of the more confusing things I thought about Saturday's game is I, I've loved the play calling so much through the first four games. Saturday, I didn't get it. I, you know, I mentioned that Tommy had those 15 throws of 10 yards or less. He had 16 that traveled 11 or more downfield. He was just two for 16 on passes that went 11 or more yards downfield with an interception. I just, I didn't get it. You know, with those passing conditions as bad as they were, it was cold, it was windy, it was rainy. Why Nebraska went deep so often? And obviously it didn't pan out. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen are talking offensive storylines as Nebraska gets ready for their 2:30 game against Wisconsin. Can be seen regionally on ABC and uh, outside the region on ESPN too. Robin, uh, another thing that's interesting about this team is just the what they've done at running back. Um, it's kind of been the flavor of the week. Uh, week one, we even saw uh, some Mikael Wilbon mixed in there with Amani Cross and Terrell Newby. Uh, we haven't seen Mikael Wilbon since. It's been a lot of newbie, a lot of cross. Uh, but then this week, we've got the new flavor, uh, the combination of Andy Janovich, the fullback, that kind of runs like a Mark Wiseman for Nebraska, former Iowa running back, mixed in with a true freshman, Divino Zigbo. Yeah, it's kind of like you said, it's been one big musical chairs uh, at that running back position. I mean, after the South Alabama game, I think most people thought that uh, you know Terrell Newby was going to be that workhorse guy at 28 carries, almost 200 yards rushing, and uh, it was really encouraging to think that he was going to be that that next you know lead dog at running back. And then uh, you looked last week, you had five carries for 15 yards, where a true freshman and a fullback get the lion's share of the work. So it's uh, certainly been uh, an issue for this offense all year long. The fact that they haven't had any stability or consistency from the running back position. Now you're relying uh, again on Divine Zigbo and Andy Janovich. Uh, to kind of carry that load when going into the year, I don't think <laughs> I could guarantee no one oh, and, thought that was going to happen. Oh, and by the way, they're burning the red shirt potentially on Jordan Stevenson. Yeah, might as well throw another you know hat in the ring on that one too. Yeah, I mean th- this is just a complete you know kind of toss up. I have no idea who's going to lead the team in carries this Saturday. I don't think any of us do. It, it could be one of four or five different guys. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but you know, if you're in an Adam Taylor or Mikhail Wilbon, and you can't even see the field right now, and they're burning red shirts and putting the fullback, you know, in the lead back role. I mean, what does that say for about all, what the coaches all, think about him? For all I know, Graham Nabity is going to be the <laughs> seriously. Back. I mean, Jordan Nelson. In there. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 this, a mess. And when Dan, when you look at the history of Mike Riley, this is not like him. Um, he's been a guy that likes to commit to one back, which tells you he just he has, really doesn't have his guy. Yeah. 
And that that's somewhat scary uh, five games into conference play, knowing how good the defenses and teams are going to be here the next seven games. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it starts this weekend with Wisconsin. I mean, this is a team, <laughs> they're going to make things really difficult on Nebraska. They're 11th in the nation in total defense, only giving up 278 yards a game fourth in the nation in scoring defense at 9.6 points per game. This is not a team that you want to be experimenting against or trying to find out who your running back is. <laughs> this is a team that is, uh, is very, very good defensively, and they're going to make things really tough on this offense. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, Robin Washett. We're talking offensive storylines, and let's talk more about this Badger defense and what they bring to the table. Uh, they retained defensive coordinator Dave Randa, um, Aranda, you know he's he's running that three four system. A lot of players are back. It's year three for them with this defense, and they look like a team that's playing the same defense now for three years. And um, it's you think of Wisconsin as an offensive juggernaut, but you're right. The defense is what has carried them to this point, especially without Corey Clement. And it scares you just when you have a guy like Joe Schobert with nine quarterback sacks, Robin, he leads the nation. Uh, this is going to be a huge challenge for Nebraska's offensive line. Well, again, if, especially if they can't run the ball, the last thing you want is Tommy Armstrong dropping back 30 times trying to throw against you know not only this uh, pass rush, but a very veteran, experienced secondary led by a potential All-Big Ten safety and Mike Caputo. Uh, so I mean, uh, definitely a, a huge challenge in a lot of different aspects for Nebraska. And uh, this offensive line is going to be tested in a big way, more so than they have been all season long. I mean, not only just because of the talent uh, Wisconsin has uh, just from a pass rush standpoint and you know front seven standpoint, but uh, because of the different looks and variety of shifts pre-snap and uh, different blitz uh, packages that they throw at offenses. So, I mean, uh, the offensive line's recognition and being able to make adjustments just before the snap of uh, who to block and then Tommy Armstrong being able to diagnose uh, what the defense is actually doing and it will be two huge keys for the success of Nebraska's offense. And Dan, when you look at effective 3-4 defenses, what makes them difficult is you don't know where the pressure's coming. You've got your traditional three-down linemen, um, but you could have one, two, sometimes three other guys coming from all directions, and that that's where the communication and the challenge comes into play. And it's probably a good thing this is a home game for Nebraska where they can have that home game communication hopefully going a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a huge game for Tommy Armstrong mentally because Dave Aranda, uh, Wisconsin's defensive coordinator, is going to throw all kinds of different looks at him. Um, Danny Langsdorf kind of talked about that early in the week. He said they almost throw so many looks at you that you can't address all of them. You know, there are going to be some things that Nebraska sees in the game on Saturday that they won't have seen on film and they won't have seen on the practice field. And it's how they're able to adjust on the fly that I think is going to go a long way in determining how much success they can have. Well, we'll continue the discussion here on Nebraska-Wisconsin. We'll talk defense here next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 70% of the time they run uh, one play, and they do it well. I mean, they, they run a, a power scheme where double teams, kickouts. Uh, they want to run straight downhill at you, out-physical you. But uh, it all comes back to, uh, you know, tight ends, fullbacks, running backs, 
and just uh, you know trying to maul you up front. I think the the biggest challenge is how they how they get to where their their uh, basic plays. You know they do a lot of shifts and window dressing. You know that really they're really running the same basic play. So you know just making sure we're seeing what we need to see and get everybody lined up and stuff like that. We got to be physical. We got to be downhill when we're supposed to, and we got to consistently time in and time out fit the way we're supposed to. And welcome back to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive coordinator Mark Banker, linebacker Chris Weber, and linebackers coach Trent Bray just talking about the physical challenge the Huskers will face this week against this Wisconsin Badger offense. And it's not an explosive unit as we saw last week. They uh, didn't score a single touchdown in a 10-6 home loss to Iowa. Uh, but what they want to do is muddy the waters, control the game, get a lot of four- to five-yard plays, and Mark Banker, fullbacks, tight ends. I mean, they're just going to get out there and, and make this thing ugly. And for Nebraska, with their lack of depth, Robin, up front at D-line and linebacker, that is the one, I think, big concern I have with the defense this week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a concern on several levels just from Nebraska. But then when you face Wisconsin style of offense where they're just going to try and punch you in the face and see, see how you respond. I mean, they don't have – really any explosive players on that offense especially with clement out and uh, erickson questionables i mean they're they're limited in what they can do down the field and so like it's gonna be three yards in a cloud of dust that's what they want to do and they want to test a defense to just you know they go out there and stop them and so the one good thing is uh, while nebraska's defensive line is banged up the offensive line of wisconsin is not necessarily as good as it has been in previous years that was kind of one of the um, question marks for them going into the season and so far, haven't really done much at all to prove that wrong, given the offensive numbers. But uh, still, I mean, that style of play, I mean, we saw it uh, over the past couple of years with what Minnesota was able to do. And obviously, last year in Madison, Nebraska has to find a way to answer that physicality. See, I, it's disappointing because I think, especially with Wisconsin's lack of playmakers offensively, I think that this would fit into exactly like they would not be able to do anything against Nebraska, I don't think, if Nebraska were healthy. But you come into this game, don't know if Vincent Valentine's going to play. You know Kevin Maurice, who had a great breakout game last weekend, is not going to play. Kevin Williams is not going to play. Josh Banderas is probably not going to play. I guess we don't know on that one yet, but that's coming. We know Michael Rose-Ivy is not going to play. I mean, that's a lot of injuries right there. And all of a sudden, you're getting down into guys like you know, Mick Stoltenberg, uh, Greg McMullen is moving inside. Nothing against those guys, but they're playing, you know, either out of position or playing heavy snaps for the first time. And that's not something that you want to be doing against a physical Wisconsin team that's very used to uh, using its ground game. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Uh, guys, I think the 12th man for this defense this week will be punter Sam Foltz. If he can pin this Wisconsin offense back, inside the 20 a few times that is going to go a long way because they are not built to to go 80 yards right now as an offense and I, I think if Fultz can you know because Nebraska's offense is going to have some stalled out drives it's just going to happen when you play a team like Wisconsin so Fultz is big this week he needs to give the defense some breathing room because if Wisconsin's starting their drives on the 40 yard line area that's exactly what they want. They want to have short fields, get field goals, maybe convert some of those into touchdowns. I mean, everything sets up for this to be a special teams type of game. I mean, both with Sam Fultz uh, changing the game with field position and DeMornay Pearsonell coming back, uh, you know, really altering how Wisconsin's going to approach its kicking game. So uh, there's a lot of reason that, you know, this game could be won by the third element, and that's special teams. And you got to throw Drew Brown in there. I mean, Jordan he's, Stevenson. I mean, all, I mean, all these guys that don't necessarily get talked about a lot are going to be. Uh, 
uh, come into play in a big, big way just because of, you know, it's strength on strength with Nebraska's offense and Wisconsin's defense and weakness on weakness on the other side of the ball. So uh, special teams will be huge. You mentioned Drew Brown real quickly there, Robin. This is a big game for him. He missed his first two kicks of the year, missed them really badly against BYU, then, you know, knocked in eight straight over the next couple games, and then he missed his last two against Illinois. You know, if he makes either one of those, Nebraska probably wins that game too. So, you know, this is a big week for him. He's got to show that consistency. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as, as we talk Wisconsin. Let's let's move uh, back to the linebacker position. You know, Josh Banderas probably out again this week. And, you know, it's getting to the point, honestly, guys, where he could potentially just think about redshirting this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's game six right now. He's only played in two games. He definitely could use his redshirt if he wanted to. If this thing lingers on for Banderas another two weeks – um, maybe you do just think about redshirting him and getting two full quality years because right now, what is Nebraska playing for at this point other than maybe a bowl game spot? And you could argue what's what's to say if he does come back, he's going to be placed right back in the starting lineup with the way Chris Weber has been playing. I mean, was it 35 tackles in his last two games and Banderas's absence? I mean, that's that's pretty darn impressive. So, uh, I mean, Chris Weber has had absolutely zero drop-off from what Josh Banderas was doing. And so, uh, for Bando's sake, I mean, obviously you don't want to rush coming back from a groin injury, which really the only thing you can do is rest and let it heal. So, uh, I mean, time's ticking on him. Like you said, we're already close to halfway through the season, and he's hardly you know been able to see the field. You know, at what point do you decide what the best decision is? Is it, is it the here and now to help this team this season, or do you hold off and you know try and make an impact next year? It's just amazing, Elkhorn. When you think about the walk-on, Spencer and Jake Long, um, then you had Trevor Roach, and obviously now Chris Weber. But I'll throw Graham Nabity in there as well. He's a contributor on this mm-hmm. team on special teams. They have literally gone five for five in walk-ons at Nebraska. There has not been a bust walk-on from Elkhorn, which that is <laughs> almost unheard of in, in Division One football. Oh yeah, and a lot of times, you know, when you talk about these walk-ons, you're talking about guys who are contributing, you know, as redshirt juniors or seniors. Chris Weber is a redshirt sophomore. I mean, he's been able to throw his name to the conversation very quickly. I, I guess not just throw his name there, but start and play really well. I mean, he's uh, he's arguably been one of Nebraska's best defensive players the last couple weeks, and I agree with Robin. I mean, there's no guarantee right now that if Josh Banderas came back that he would just be handed that starting spot. Weber's played great. Yeah, he, he, then they've said that. I mean, they, they said the guy has earned time regardless, and – uh, it's been a good story. Now, another guy that needs to kind of get going again is Nathan Gary. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since the South Alabama game and the um, BYU game where he had those two big interceptions, he has been quiet. I mean, he had a really rough Miami game, a very rough Southern Miss game, um, gave up that deep ball in coverage. And, Against you know, he, Illinois, yeah. he, He's somebody, guys, that, you know, for this team in this secondary in the Big Ten, they need Nathan Gary to kind of come back to be Nathan Gary. He's obviously the heart and soul of that defense just from a leadership standpoint. I mean, team captain that, um, you know, is kind of the, the vocal leader of that group because, you know, as good as Malik Collins is, he's kind of a lead-by-example type guy. And so, I mean, Nate Gary is, is kind of the, the, the linchpin of that defense. And so when he's not being Nate Geary out there, I mean, the whole defense, I think, feels that. And uh, to his credit, you know, he was dealing with a pretty – good illness there uh that you know almost kept him out of southern, southern miss, miss game, yep. and you know he he obviously wasn't himself i mean i think he got trucked by a guy it was the last time you saw nate geary get trucked by a 
you know, lower tier running back. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he sets the tone. I mean, in those first two games with those interceptions, I mean, he changed the tide of temporarily with those picks that, uh, I mean, those are the types of plays that Nebraska has just been lacking. And this is a big game for the safeties. They have to come up and tackle this week. They have to play physical. Byerson Cockrell, maybe Aaron Williams, um, all of the safeties need to be ready to read their run fits and, and, and play and, and come up and play the run. Yeah, yeah. it's not just going to be the defensive line and the linebackers, the corners too. Everybody on this defense has to be ready to come in and contribute uh, to stopping the run because I really don't think Wisconsin's going to be able to do much passing-wise. Well, the play action is what you have to worry mm-hmm. about, I think. Yes, it, that that's a good point. But even so, I mean, there's just a complete lack of weapons in this passing game. I don't believe in Joel Stave. Yes, obviously you can't just ignore the run or ignore the pass and sell out against the run. But stopping the run clearly is going to be the key in this game. All right. Well, guys, it should be an interesting week for the defense. We'll shift the conversation over. We'll bring Nate Klaus in, and we'll do our weekly stock watch report. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'll say that um, Alex Lewis, is, he knows what's expected of him as a leader, as a player of this team. I think it's been expressed to him uh, how he needs to handle certain situations and, and what needs to be done. You know, to answer your question, no. Uh, I did not take it upon myself. Uh, I didn't feel that it was my job to come at a fellow captain, fellow senior and teammate to correct him or tell him how he should have done something, especially because you know, we have people in place to you know, guide us in that respect. And welcome back to the Husker Online Show. This is the Stockwatch segment sponsored by Alex Lewis as <laughs> we move the show on. We bring in Nate Klaus to the show, uh, fresh off his California uh, football recruiting trip. We'll talk more to Nate about that. But uh, Dan Hoppen, Robin Washett, Sean Callahan here. And I hate to do it, guys, but uh, we, you have no choice. we start out Stockwatch again uh, with our title sponsor, Alex Lewis. And uh, Dan, um, I'll let you take the bull by the horns. You saw what happened. It was it was not a good deal. Alex Lewis, though, not suspended at all by uh, by Nebraska. And I think that's the crazy thing, and that's something that I think has fans kind of upset that there hasn't been any that we know any discipline handed down to Alex Lewis. But yeah, I'm sure everyone's heard about it by now. Walking off the field on Saturday, I saw it with my own eyes, heard it with my own ears. He was blowing kisses to Nebraska fans sarcastically and saying, "I'm sorry, we suck." Uh, there were some other words thrown in there as well that I cannot repeat or we would have to start bleeping out this podcast. So just not a pretty sight. And Alex Lewis, I mean, you just got to be able to contain your emotions better. All right, let, let's let's get rid of Alex Lewis talk and let, let's go stock ups for the week here. Dan, let's start with you. Uh, who is your stock up here for the week? Well, I'm, I'm going to be a little lame. I'm going to go off Nebraska a little bit, but playoff baseball, man. Yes. I mean, I, I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm totally, I'm still totally juiced from last night. Uh, the Cubs getting the big win over the Pirates. Jake Arrieta going crazy. But it continues, you know, throughout this weekend. I mean, Friday and I believe on Monday. Saturday too. Two games Saturday. There's only two games on Saturday? Okay, well, on Friday you get four games. I mean, basically Monday, baseball all day long. Potentially four Monday as well. That's just a beautiful thing right there. It's like the March Madness Thursday, Friday day, but you get it like twice a year for baseball. Because yeah. If there's game fours, you'll have four games on Monday, which you would think there's going to be some game fours played. But I'm a Dodgers fan. We get Kershaw at home, Granky at home. I just hope uh, I'll be done in time to watch some of that game Saturday. All right, Nate Klaus. 
Who do you have for your stock up? Stock up, Malik Collins. You know, this is a guy we've been saying for weeks now that that really needs to turn it on because he's kind of been non-existent. Goes to Illinois and and uh, has as good a day at Illinois as he has you know collectively all season long, uh, with nine tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack and a half on the day against uh, the Illini. And heading into that game, he only had seven tackles, zero tackles for loss, and zero sacks. So Malik Collins stock up uh, a heck of a performance against uh, Illinois and and hopefully you know a sign of things to come. Robin Washett. If you would have asked anyone here at this table who was going to lead Nebraska in tackles five games into the season, no one, none of us would have said Chris Weber. So stock up Chris Weber. The kid had 17 tackles last week against Illinois and has showed uh, there's probably zero drop-off between the production Josh Banderas had when he was in and what he's been able to do so far. And with Josh's injury status still up in the air this week, uh, he's in line to potentially get what his fourth start this year so uh that's uh, a, a really impressive feat by a walk-on kid from Elkhorn. Trevor Roach the yeah, sequel. I'm just saying he, he's he's doing everything that's mm-hmm. asked of him in, in a big way all right I'm going to close with my stock up here uh Jordan Stevenson we talked about this earlier in the show but uh all signs are they're going to burn the red shirt which I think comes as a surprise but they need playmakers they need explosion um, Jordan Stevenson was a guy that Wisconsin projected to be their number two running back until he obviously couldn't get into school. Uh, only fitting that he burns the shirt against Wisconsin this week. Uh, I'll be curious if it's just going to be a kickoff return role or what the role will be. And I know there's some criticism about this, but if you're Mike Riley, you can't coach this guy like you're going to have him in 2019. You know, you can't think about being a fifth year senior because it's just not realistic. And uh, this is a guy to watch here this week. All right, let, let's segue over. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. We're in our stock watch segment. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. We are on stock down. What do you have, Dan Hoppen? Uh, I've got the Big Ten referees, and I'm sure no one's forgotten just the bizarre uh, series that happened this week. And I believe it was near the start of the second half where no one – I mean, being in that stadium, no one knew what down it well, the was. The scoreboard said one thing, the marker said one thing, and then the official stat said one thing. Yes, and the referees were completely confused. I think they did a really poor job of trying to figure it out. They didn't really – ever explain what happened it ended up being a turnover on downs for illinois which i don't even know if that's fair you know the big 10 had to issue a statement apologizing for it It was just a complete mess and the referees handled it horribly well and the replay people are the ones that missed it i mean replay needs to catch that absolutely yes because you know that's just something that you would never expect to see Nate Klaus, stock down. What do you have? Stock down, defensive line injuries. Kevin Maurice has uh, arguably the best game of his career against Illinois. Is out four weeks with a with a stress fracture. Vincent Valentine has been injured. Um, not sure if he's you know if they're going to get him back for this week or not. You know now there's rumors uh, that the freedom may or may not be a go for this weekend. And then uh, of course Jack Gingwish missed some time. Is back, but I think it's Kevin Williams as well. Well, yeah, Kevin Williams as well. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that, that Jack Gangwish isn't 100% at this point in time. So, I mean, they are they are razor thin up front uh, because of all these injuries. Uh, it's kind of concerning. Not a good situation. And let's close. Robin Washett, what is your stock down for the week? Yeah, on one hand, you have Jordan Stevenson as your stock up. Uh, for my stock down, I have the rest of the veteran running backs in that room. I mean, uh, it's just been kind of a, a musical chairs situation in that backfield. Uh, you know, Terrell Newby was supposedly going to be that workhorse after his 28 28- carries 
um, earlier in the season, and then now all of a sudden he gets five touches against Illinois and has a true freshman and a fullback get the line share of the workload uh, against Illinois. And uh, Monty Cross didn't even touch the ball against Illinois. And uh, we don't even need to mention Adam Taylor at this point. He's been completely eliminated from the discussion. And now so all of a sudden you're, you're burning two true freshman red shirts to play over guys that were pretty highly touted coming out of high school that are, you know, juniors and seniors and uh, really haven't been able to do anything with their opportunity this year. Very hard situation uh, to get your hands on. Rob and Dan, uh, looking forward to seeing you guys on Saturday, Nebraska-Wisconsin at 2.30. Let's do it. All right, and we'll close the show here with Nate Klaus as we'll talk some Husker recruiting here on the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we talk recruiting and Nate, it was a busy weekend for you. Uh, you and Husker Online video producer Greg Peterson were out in California uh, watching a number of different recruits. Uh, give us uh, just a rundown uh, of the weekend and how everything went. It was a busy trip, but, you know, we were able to go out to see Patrick O'Brien, you know, Nebraska's 2016 quarterback commit play on Thursday night. And then we turned around Friday night and went out to uh, Calabasas High School to watch them play St. Francis, which was a, a big game, a, kind of a, a battle of unbeatens there. Uh, and, of course, Calabasas has, uh, you know, Nebraska 2016 DB commit Markel Dismuke, uh, rivals 100 five-star corner Darnay Holmes, uh, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Tristan uh, Jebbia, Brian Hightower, the the 2018 wide receiver that Nebraska has offered, and and the list goes on. I mean, that team is absolutely loaded. So in the span of uh, you know 24, 48 hours, there we were able to see a lot of talent, and uh, um, you know a couple you know current Husker commits, and and maybe quite possibly you know a handful of uh, future Husker commits. And most importantly, you guys did go to In and Out Burger. Yes, we did. We that was the, that was the first thing we did. I knew we, it. We got into L.A., checked in the hotel, and uh, hit up the In and Out Burger. Yeah, that that is uh, becoming a Husker Online L.A. tradition after we did the satellite camp out there. But let's talk about Patrick O'Brien. I mean, this is the guy. He's going to be here this weekend for his official visit, and he's having a hell of a season out there in California. What were your impressions of just seeing him live and in action? Uh, he's, I mean, he looks great. First and foremost, the thing that stands out about him is just his size. You know, he's legitimate 6'4", 230-pound kid. Uh, he has a, a cannon for an arm. You know, a lot of people, I, I think it's it's kind of cliche sometimes to say, oh, this guy can make all the throws. But Patrick O'Brien is a kid that, that can legitimately make all the throws. And, uh, I mean, he had some 15 to 20-yard out routes uh, that he just put right on the money. And, and the thing that really um, – that I really like about him is the fact that it seems like every pass he throws is, I mean, comes out nice and clean. Uh, every pass he throws is, is a nice catchable ball. You know, there's never once where uh, he throws a ball that, that kind of flutters or that, you know, that hits the dirt or anything. I mean, every single pass that he throws is, is quick and efficient. Uh, he's mechanically sound, has great footwork. And he does it all. He's under center. He's in the shotgun. Uh, he's dropping back. He's rolling out. And he can uh, he can use his feet too. I think that's maybe the most underrated part of Patrick O'Brien's game is is his athleticism. He's not going to be confused with with Eric Crouch ever. 
but he can run. He's and, closer to a Blaine Gabbert, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I would, that's a great comparison. I think uh, you know he had four carries for 56 yards on the night with uh, with one touchdown. So, and I think that that long was like a 34 yard touchdown. And um, you know he's very smooth uh, as a runner. Uh, he can extend plays with his feet. I mean, he's just he's the total package. And then of course being able to see him in person at a game, you get a sense for his leadership abilities, the type of composure that he has because this was a game that they were supposed to blow the uh, Beckman High School out, uh, but they allowed Beckman to kind of stay in the game. And uh, Patrick O'Brien kept his composure. You could tell that he's he's the leader on that team. And uh, just overall, extremely impressed. Nebraska is getting very good quarterback, and uh, he'll be here in December. No, you may, is it Gebbia or Jebby? I want to make sure I get it's this right. Jebbia. Okay, we've been saying Gebbia. Mm-hmm. We've been saying the kid's name wrong yeah. all year. So let's get this right here. Christian Jebbia, um, you were watching him, and this is going to be something that gets asked a lot. Compare the two. Uh, what were your thoughts on Jebbia and, and how he looked and, and what's his long-term potential? Well, Jebbia's long-term potential is, is through the roof, I, I believe. Uh, both Patrick O'Brien and Tristan Jebbia are their upper echelon quarterbacks. They're, they're special type talents. Now, the, the main difference between the two is I think Tristan is more of a more of a traditional pocket passer. I think he'd like to stay in the pocket a little bit more, uh, whereas Patrick O'Brien isn't. You know, he, he'll he'll take it down a run or um, you know fits into that that zone read run game pretty well. Uh, Tristan is not built like Patrick O'Brien. He's 6'2", 6'3", 170, 180 pounds. He's, he's pretty skinny, and I think he'll fill out. You know, he's only a junior right now. Uh, but as, in terms of arm strength and being able to, uh, you know, to, to make all the throws and, and, you know, to fit into Mike Riley, Danny Langsdorf type of offense, uh, both quarterbacks do that extremely well. And, and Tristan, being a junior, he's only going to get better. And, and one thing I really like Is he about 6'2"? He's six two, maybe a little over six uh-huh. two. One thing I really like about him is is the type of coaching he's getting. You know, the head coach at Calabasas is Casey Clausen, and so he's being tutored. The older brother of the, Jimmy Clausen. The older brother of Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, Casey played at Tennessee, so he's being. I mean, works out with with Casey Clausen every single day. A guy that's been there, done that. Not only as a Division one quarterback, but as a high profile five star recruit. Exactly. So. I mean the the types of things that he's learning on a daily basis. I mean those are those are invaluable for a kid like Tristan Jebbia. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, talking recruiting, and Nate, this will be a big re- recruiting weekend for Nebraska. The guys we just mentioned, um, including quarterback Patrick O'Brien, are going to be in Lincoln uh, for their official visits. Give us just an early flavor, an early taste of of what's going to be happening in Lincoln this weekend against Wisconsin. Well, as, in terms of official visitors, uh, at this point in time, you're looking right around four. I think that number could climb up uh, closer to, to six by the time the, the weekend rolls around and, and officially gets here. Um, you know, one player uh, that comes as kind of, of a surprise so far is Julio Loggins, uh, the linebacker out of uh, Georgia. He visited in the spring, then uh, and he really enjoyed his trip, and then he committed to Georgia in August. And it, at that point in time, it kind of looked like – That is surprising, a Georgia kid coming exactly. that's committed to Georgia. And, and he lives right out – I mean, he lives probably 20 miles from Athens. So at that point in time, I think a lot of people just kind of wrote his name off. And, and Mike Eckler is the linebackers coach of Georgia, right? Eckler is his main recruiter. So it's Mike Eckler versus Trent Bray, you know, for the for the kids right down the street from, um, you know, Georgia's campus. 
And, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of people, I think, wrote his name off, uh, except for Trent Bray. He's, you know, has stayed after Loggins, and uh, he'll be taking the, the trip this weekend, and he's really interested to see the game day atmosphere. And that's one thing Trent Bray has really, from the get-go, has really sold him on, hey, this place, you have to see it during the season. You have to see the fan base. Uh, it's absolutely crazy, and and that's what the kid wants to see. And he's flying in Saturday. Flying in Saturday. And that's where those Atlanta to Omaha Lincoln flights come in handy with a kid like this. Yeah, that's huge. And and he's done it before, too. So, uh, like I said, he came in the spring with his coach. So, he has a little bit of a taste of, of what Nebraska is all about, what the program's all about. He just he wants to see the fan base. He wants to see the game and, and everything that comes along with that. So, uh, that'll be big. If, if they can add another talent like that, uh, to their linebacking core, you know, these guys that they're trying to bring in to, to shore up the depth concerns there, uh, he would be, a, you know, a guy that you could possibly look at as more of an instant impact type player. Um, and then you have, of course, John uh, John Raird in the offensive line commit. He will be in town. And then C.J. Riley, the, the 6'5 uh, wide receiver out of Florida, you know, one of those bigger bodied wideouts that Keith Williams is targeting to, to help round out this wide receiving class uh, will be on campus. And this will be his second trip uh, to Nebraska. And, and both his parents, um, you know, are – Went to college at Nebraska. Uh, I believe his mother played volleyball or basketball at Nebraska. Ended up transferring to Peru State. But they, they're both very comfortable with the state. Uh, his father will actually be coming uh, once again with CJ on this trip. And you really have to like the Huskers' chances with him. So no Matt Farniak as of now? No Matt Farniak uh, as of now. I, I looked uh, I looked to see Matt Farniak maybe come to that Michigan State game right now. Um, you know, Sioux Falls, Washington, they're kind of they're on they're on a roll right now. And they're playing in Rapid City this weekend. Yeah, uh, I believe they're I believe they are playing in, in Stevens Point or or not Stevens Point, but in Stevens High School in Rapid City. So yeah, that's a that's what a, a hall. six to eight hour yeah. trip. So uh, no Matt Farniak this weekend, uh, but I do expect to see him uh, quite possibly for that Michigan State game. Well, and here's the good news: Matt Farniak hasn't been going to other games elsewhere no. either. So I, I still think Nebraska is the team. And you know, John Raritan was on Big Red Wrap Up on uh, Tuesday night with us on NET, and he even talked about how they really want Matt a part of this group and. You know, there's no other team that he has the rapport with the recruits. I mean, Iowa, I think, is a player still. Uh, Iowa made um, their season the way they're playing. I'm sure that's not hurting them either. No, Iowa is definitely a player for him. And, and like you said, the, the way that their season is unfolding at this point in time is, is definitely not hurting their chances. So uh, Iowa is a player, but from all signs point to Nebraska being kind of Matt Farniak's clear leader. And he's got a great relationship with Mike Cavanaugh. And I know those two talk almost on a, on a daily basis. So you've got a handful of official visitors and then you look at the unofficials that will be in, in town. Uh, and it's going to be kind of a who's who for underclassmen. Um, you know, many of those Calabasas kids that, that we just got done seeing will be on campus. Once again, Tristan Jebbia, Keyshawn Johnson, Jr., um, you know, Darnay Holmes, the five-star corner. And, and this will be their, you know, Keyshawn Johnson Jr.'s fourth trip, uh, Tristan Jebbia's second trip, Darnay Holmes's third trip. Uh, and there's a quite, you know, there's the possibility exists that Brian Hightower will be up here and uh, safety commit Markel Dismuke may also make the trip. So as, as many as five uh, kids from Calabasas will be here. Isaiah Simmons is the big-time safety out of Olathe North. 
um, that Nebraska is, is going hard after. Um, he said that he's 75% sure that he'll make it up this weekend, and which is big because he hasn't taken any visits. He's in. been hard to read. I mean, a lot, a lot of teams have pulled off him. A lot of teams have pulled off him because he's – he uh, he's very hard to get in touch with. He hasn't taken any, you know. He's just a kid that's not super into the recruiting process. So if Nebraska can get him on campus, I think that bodes well for their chances to land him. Well, Nate, it's going to be a busy weekend. Thanks for all your coverage this past weekend out in California. We're looking forward to seeing it all uh, this weekend. Now with a big recruiting uh, visit uh, for Wisconsin, uh, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 